0: And welcome to a, another episode of the Modern Man Podcast. And this week we've got a woman. Yay! Woo! Um, <laughs> we've had a few. We have had a few women on here. Um, it's really, really interesting. I like to do it every now and again, just to make sure we're getting all different kinds of perspective. Today we have got uh, Laura Jane Durney on air with us from my discombobulated brain. Welcome, Hello. Laura. Thank you Hello. very much Thank for coming for having me. So as we do with most of our guests, um, I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us how you became involved with with the organisation that that you're currently running.
1: So I, um, really long story, compressed into a few minutes. Um, At 18, I lost my best friend, Jonathan, to suicide, thought I was okay. Um, Then fast forward nearly eight or so years, I married, I fell pregnant with my little boy, Um, who's now nine and I have undiagnosed extreme morning sickness which caused my gallbladder to fail except I was pregnant so everyone just said it's your sciatic nerve and you're just being sick so I was dramatically losing weight and when I gave birth to Jack I was lighter giving birth than when I found out I was pregnant and he was nine pounds odd so for the men listening he was like a a good few giant steaks at an all-you-can-eat restaurant <sighs> um, which meant that even after I gave birth I was seven stone and I'm five foot tall so I'm 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 small but I'm solid like yeah. if you run at me I ain't falling over I'm a, very much a short West Whalian woman I will take you down <laughs> um, and so the the midwife said to me I don't think you're doing too well I I told her in a less polite term to go away and I was fine and three weeks in I was diagnosed with postnatal depression yeah um four months after Jack was born they realized it was my gallbladder because I was still losing weight at this time I was six stone when I got diagnosed with my gallbladder yeah. and my surgeon was just beyond amazing he rang me in the middle of the night saying come into A&E now saying you've got a gallbladder attack because I've got an open theater and otherwise it's going to be six months and God knows what weight you'll be. Went in, had my gallbladder out and he threw my antidepressants in the bin because he said, the reason you're depressed is because you can't parent. And I went, all right, you're such a high doctor. You're called Mr. Like, you know, you're beyond. Um, and then as, as I like to say, thus ensued, the poshest words I know, um, the worst probably three years of our lives as a married couple. Because we didn't know it wasn't right. We didn't know that the anxiousness and the stress and everything wasn't normal. It wasn't um, part of first-time parenting. So I yeah. fell pregnant three years on with Poppy. And at 20 weeks, my mother-in-law made a cup of tea. And I had a full-on breakdown. Like a full-on hysteria ran away, went to the local supermarket. Sounds dramatic, you can see it from our house. Um, sat in the car park for two hours crying and I went back to the doctor who was sat there and I was really lucky because she did talking therapy because I was 20 weeks pregnant. She met once a week with me, once a fortnight with Henry, my husband, because everyone forgets the people that are caring. And then... um. I'm really sorry, Poppy's just walked. right. Hang on, we're recording. What? Go back to 20 weeks, so it's easy to. Slow. Um, oh, so yeah. Um, at 20 weeks pregnant, my mother-in-law, who's called Merlin, um, made a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That she I promise you, she's called Merlin. Um, and I had a full-on breakdown. Like it's completely irrational why I had this breakdown. She made a cup of tea. I don't even drink tea. She made it for herself. Um, but I had extreme morning sickness again. And my anxieties were about, I can't get sick on top of being sick because I'm going to be in the hospital even more than I am in the hospital. Yeah. Um, ran away to the local supermarket, which you can see from our house. so It's not very dramatic. Sat in the car park for two or three hours crying, you know, as you do. And went back to the doctor because I was like, something is severely wrong. Um, my new doctor... Sat me down. She had just become a GP. She had come off rotation with the my consultant in the hospital, like so it couldn't have been more perfect timing. Then she met with me once a month and once a week. She met with Henry once a fortnight, and she met with Jack once a month. And because there's nothing more honest than a three year old child, yeah, who will sit down. So she'd be like, "How's mummy doing? What's mummy doing?" Um, and he would grass on me all the time um where i'd be like i'm fine and (laughs) she was going nuts she she wouldn't let me do this and then she wouldn't let me do that um so fast forward poppy was born a horrendous labor where no one believed me i was in labor because i was induced because they knew i needed to have some sort of control and be in like know when i'm giving birth um didn't believe me that it had taken so quickly, which meant that all the drugs I was meant to have, I didn't have. That hurts. Sorry, lads. It is worse than being kicked in the knackers because it lasts. <laughs> um, and she was born and because I'd been on an anti-sickness meds, so I went, oh, I don't want any medication. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done or ever said. So then I had two weeks or which I can't remember of Poppy's life. And finally, I promise there's an end, um, went on my medication and continued talking therapy with my doctor. Fast forward three years, I go self-employed because of issues I had with my work and there's something in Cardiff called Ignite, which is, um, you talk for five minutes, the slides change every five seconds, whether you're ready or not, the mic cuts out after five minutes Mm -hmm. and it's called, tell us your story. Yep. So I may have had a beer and I may have signed up to it with a group of friends and woke up next morning was like, no, I'm going to do it on like silly stuff. The kids say, and for two months before this happened, when I say bullied, I mean, nice bullied, um, with my friend, Warren and Amy, who just kept going, you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to tell the truth. You have to say what goes on behind closed doors. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then I, I did it. I asked all my family if I could, uh, because everyone's mentioned in it, you know, from yeah. Merlin making a cup of tea to um, my mum was involved in the story. And I was like, right, so I did it. And it was the most liberating thing I've ever done, yep. but also touched more people than I ever thought it would. Yep. And you the start. video went slightly viral, which is fine. And from that, people were like, can you talk? Can you do this? How do we help? What do we do? I'm discombobulated is my favourite word ever.
0: It's a great word.
1: um, I learned it from Steve Austin, the um, wrestler.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs)
1: Thirteen years old, who says his brain's discombobulated from being hit around the head with uh, so many chairs. Mine is because my brain is just weird. Um, So that's kind of how it came about, really. And we've ended up going into schools. We work with Cardiff University. We work with Newport County Football Club we're developing male projects. And one of the really cool things about our male project, which I know we're going to talk about is yeah. it's mainly run by the male trustees because yep. I, I do all the organizing because huh. I love you. If you ever hear this slogan, can't organize anything. And um, yep. I don't know what it's like to be a guy yeah. in the same way that like, I can joke around that giving birth is like being kicked in the, but it might be being kicked might be worse. I don't know. It's, yeah. you know, it's yeah. some it's an experience for either of us <laughs> <rest. laughs> You know, we can't truly compare because no matter what, we are different. Our brains are wired different. They develop
0: different different. Despite what <laughs> lots of people are trying to say these days, we are different.
1: Our brains are wired differently. And <laughs> you know, the female part of the emotion develops before the, the boys' part, and which is why sometimes mental health issues show us anger in Teenage boys and get they get written off as just angry young men. Yep. And it's you know, and, and girls get being told that they're over dramatic and and <laughs> oh, you're so bossy, and then whereas with where a boy would be like, yeah, you're so leadership. And yes. yeah, it's just the way that they develop at different times. And I've realized I've spoken for a long time now. It's been <laughs>
0: good. It's interesting. But <laughs> well, but now, 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 after listening to that, um you know, I, I can I can re- relate to to some of this. I mean, sometimes on these podcasts, guests we have guests come on, and that reminds me of s- stuff. I mean, one of the things I try and talk about. I think you were in that group that uh, was being set up about postnatal yes. uh, depression, weren't we? We were in that we were in that group and the traumatic birth group. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: the amazing
2: Jess.
0: Yeah, and it's something that I don't often think about. To be fair, but it, like I, I, I tend not to really look back very often on, on my life. But uh, the work I'm doing now has required me to do that. And probably one of the worst years of my life really was when my eldest daughter was born. Um, sounds horrible to say, but it was really. It started with a sort of traumatic birth, followed by her mum suffering from quite bad postnatal depression, um, and me having post viral fatigue at the same time. Uh, which was just it was it was a disaster um, and we we sort of separated at that point when she was one which is probably for the best um, and both of us sort of built our lives back up again um, kind of separately and now everything's cool but that year which is something else I want to talk to you about so obviously I've had two children so I've 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 It's something that doesn't get talked about very much. (laughs) And there is not much information out there for guys written in a way that is at all sort of sympathetic um, or acknowledging of actually how, what that role is all about, actually managing a pregnant woman, you know, and supporting her. (laughs) It's it's like, like, even if they're not crazy,
1: crazy. And I can say that because I've got the meds and the prescription. (laughs) Say so. (laughs) My, my son screams like, have you got your crazy lady pills? So, you know, like I'm, but yeah, like no matter what, even if you have the easiest pregnancy, yeah, you're still growing a human. Like yeah. you're being kicked in the bladder constantly. And mm. Jack, I feel I feel like we know each other now. Jack's foot was constantly in my, in my right rib cage under my boob. Yeah. So like in public, like trying to, trying to physically <laughs> push this foot and people thought like, what is she doing? And it was like, I can't breathe. Like, there's, there's like a person squishing all of you.
0: So like, how did your partner kind of deal, deal with all of this? What was that like for him?
1: Hard. Like he's, he's an ex-Scottish rugby player. He's Okay. Five foot yeah. seven, solid. Like, and um, he hates it when I describe this, but he, I, I love him. He probably won't hear this. Um, he looks a bit like when he he wears tails. He looks a bit like Danny DeVito's the Penguin. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. If it fits his shoulders, it doesn't fit him anywhere else. And um, he's Scottish, so he wears a kilt, which is good because <laughs> trousers don't tend to fit very well. And I could reduce him to tears if I wanted to, just because I would be being in quotes, normal at work and having to put on this front and then I'd get home and all my guards would be down and I would just fall apart. So anything he did, I would just react. And I genuinely think that our doctor saved our marriage when she met with him because she met with him on his own. And whether he went in and said like, I was fine or um, she, he was fine. She would make sure that he had that time where he could vent because He didn't feel he could go to our friends because I was having such a horrendous pregnancy. They were all like, oh, poor Laura. And I was the first one of our group to be pregnant and having this horrendous time. I think I put them all off for a bit, but they all sat down and they would all be as you would sympathetic to the person that's yeah, really and that struggling
0: tends to be the problem we kind of feel like we 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 aren't allowed to to moan you or complain or, or to or to vent or anything else like that so did he not have any kind of like his male his mates like the, the
1: so he's a typical dude and he's from Scotland and we now live in Cardiff and he has got a handful of male mates yeah um i know he confided in one of them because it's um one of my best friend's husbands like it's he him and Dave got them really well and I know he spoke to Dave about it and Dave would be like look you know you're doing really well just keep talking um I know there were days where I know this because I'm friends with some of his work colleagues that he would go in and he would just cry um with his boss who was just one of the strongest women I know but she had also had postnatal
2: yeah
1: and she would just sit down and be like she's going to come back, you know, like Laura's still in there. You, you just need to be there for her. But I don't know, is the honest answer, how he dealt with it. He he says stuff like, I knew you were always still in there. And that's the only reason I coped. And I'm like, i he's, he's one of the strongest people I know, which is why I'm going to praise him on this. Cause again, he might not hear it. He is, an amazing dad when I was pregnant with Poppy and I was struggling him and Jack used to go on the most amazing adventures, which I'm so jealous of yeah. some of these things that they went on um, because he would make sure that they had time out of the house and Jack, Jack knew he wasn't the reason I was sad. That was something that we made very clear from the start. And my parents were like, you can't tell him what's going on. And I said, he's little, not stupid. Yeah. Like, he's seeing me in this emotional state. He needs to know, A, it's nothing he's done and B, that it's it's okay because, like I said, he's little, not stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, kids, kids aren't dumb. They're just smaller people.
0: So it all came out then when you went and did this, um, this talk in Cardiff and you did a, was it a five-minute talk, did you say? Yes. And five
1: minutes. The slides changed no matter what,
0: and you and you let it all out, and this thing went viral. So people were contacting you, and they were asking you they were just what well, they just wanted to talk to you and kind of unburden yeah, themselves with people, you.
1: Yeah, a lot of people were just like, "I was the same. Oh my goodness, it makes me feel so much better because there's the little things that it's it's wonderful that people say every pregnancy is different. Yeah. And something. So I do a lot of work with midwives and they say that that's what they're meant, they're, they're meant to say. And I said, but pregnant women aren't stupid. If somebody had told me I had like an 80% chance of suffering again because I'd suffered before. I just wanted to have that information. I knew it didn't mean that I definitely would, but I would have been more prepared. Instead of being absolutely distraught and saying like, why me again? What have I done? I thought every pregnancy was different. You know, if, if somebody had said, look, there is a chance we could have been more prepared for it as a family the second time around. And I try and tell midwives now to just be honest and present the facts because pregnant women. Well, you would tell them if they were susceptible to high and low blood pressure. Why wouldn't you tell them if they're susceptible to their brains going a bit wonky?
0: It's interesting, isn't it? It's a good point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A very it's good point. Like,
1: I'd tell them if it feels if, if they
0: thought they'll break their
1: leg again they tell them yeah so and this is
0: the problem isn't it they're like the, the the we do need to start looking at mental and physical health in in the same way we need to talk about it in the same way and um we need to understand that i personally the work that i do with the modern man club is explaining the intrinsic link you know if you're physically healthy you're much more likely to be mentally healthy and understanding that correlation and that link and having similar conversations is um it's for the benefit of everybody isn't it and it's kind of common sense a little bit
1: one of our trustees is um a weightlifter well he's pp who does who does that and um he he the barbell literally saved his life yeah um and one of the guys that we do a lot of work with is called Lee Matthews. He's a double infictus medalist. Um, yeah. He does weightlifting and wheelchair basketball. And it's it's the way that he... You know when Lee isn't good is if he doesn't go. Because, yes. yeah, when he's lifting, when he's competing, he is... he's, he's Well...
0: And yeah. I, I, I believe that link is is the same for everybody, and, and and women will say the same thing. But I think there is an extra correlation for guys, um, in terms of chaining uh, their body, um, and and stuff like that, and and that, uh, I don't know, lifting heavy things. Um, I mean, I I box competitively, and I, I, that's a huge oh. thing for me. That kind of there's also that male bonding thing that goes on in a boxing club or a wrestling club or, you know, where yeah. people are studying martial arts and stuff like that together, Where you get to do what little boys do, you know, wrestle, roll around of each other and punch each other in the face in a, without, yeah. without falling out, you know, um, like we are kind of, we've been doing that since we were two. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a really natural thing to do. So, um, I, I think, yeah, coming back to that is, is, a, is a really important thing for, for guys to do. Um, on the 1st of June, next Saturday, we're launching our first project as a community interest company, which is combining those two things. So the idea of the Modern Man Club, um, the community interest company, is working with gym owners and personal trainers for them to run Modern Man Club sessions, which will be 45 minutes of, of exercise, whatever training they do in that gym, um, and then 15 minutes of a discussion. Um, which we'll provide them with an agenda and everything else like that each week. So that's, that's that's the, that's the plan of the modern man club. So again, kind of providing an environment where men can come in and, and, and talk to have that men's group that aren't husbands of the friends of their wives and stuff like that, you know, like an independent male group where they can come and talk, but not in a place that's designed to be a mental health space, Um, you know, come in and train. Yeah. And it's just a bit more, um, less, uh, less of an issue. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Cause I think we still want to pretend that we don't need that stuff. You
1: know? Exactly. <laughs> we did, um, we did a fundraiser. Um, we did a fundraiser for, um, our, our documentary project, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, yeah. we did a, a weightlifting day where a local gym let us use it. Um, and we, did we do we we lifted twenty-seven thousand kilograms in one day because that's the amount of men that um we had lost in roughly the last five years yeah yeah. so we wanted it and we we didn't think we were going to do it is the honest answer like we had some guys pulling some giant numbers and we didn't think we were going to hit the target and for me that wasn't a negative because it would show how big it was we actually hit it with the last lift of the day which was amazing yeah but when somebody was stopping and doing a giant lift, everyone would stop, turn, and support them.
2: Yeah.
1: And for me, that was what the whole day about. It was the community like aspect. That. It was the fact that it didn't matter whether you were... So my son was there. He's nine. It didn't matter whether you were lifting a five-kilogram medicine ball and throwing it over your shoulder, or if you were Lee, our Invictus, um, my friend that does the Invictus, lifting, like things that you think like would kill most people and it didn't matter whether you were lifting something little or something small we had a baby there and he just lifted up this one kilogram bar and we were like that counts everyone everyone stopped and cheered and supported and that's what the community is and that's the whole purpose of it in our minds is that in the same way we want to build community that's why football is such a powerful thing it's you know, my parents have been going to um, Swansea football since, well, before I was born. I, I had a season ticket at the age of nine. My dad wanted a boy. Um, and the people, when we moved grounds, the people that they had sat with for the last 20, 30 years, they all moved to the same section in the new stadium. Yeah, yeah. All that group came to my wedding. I don't know half huh. of their real names. <laughs> it's Dr. Draper. Skinhead, Bob. (laughs) Bob's not even his name. But like, you know, like, the family came because it's that community. Like, my my godfather died when I was pregnant with Jack and he had been in and out of remission for like, we didn't think he was going to make our wedding. We didn't, I didn't think he was going to make my 18th. Like, he had been in and out of remission for years. And Doc from the football was actually his doctor. And the support my dad had from him just from being at the football, having a pint,
2: yeah, yeah. you know,
1: just having that, like, are you all right? No, 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 no. was my dad's best friend in the entire world. Like, I, I thought he was his brother for a long time when I was growing up. They were that close.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but the support from the community aspect of the football, like, I know that I could text any of them now. And I've not been to the football for a few years because, you know, I'm going to Newport County now. Way, come on, the Ambers. Um, but, I know that I could call on them at any time. I know if I ever needed anything, I could send Draper a message and he bought it. And that's what
2: it's about.
0: I mean, and a lot of that is being lost. And the reason, it's one of the reasons. Though, I, I was a Arsenal season ticket holder for years. Oh um, um, I grew up lie. in London and, and I gave it out probably about five or six years ago. Five years ago now. Um, and now I just I just don't, I couldn't even name you the Arsenal starting eleven. I could not. I, I'm just completely disassociated from football. But when I first used to go, there was that whole community thing. Now, that's just completely gone. It's just not anymore. It's being clung onto by a few people who live properly local to the ground. But most of the locals are like reselling on their season tickets and stuff like that. My season ticket because it costs 1,200 quid, you know, plus travel from Bristol where I live now. And then for what? you know for what they're, that whole sense of the fans being part of the club is just not there anymore football which the is, why football is nothing longer. to do with that anymore yeah. I, um, I
1: lost love for swansea i'll always love swansea but i yeah. kind of lost love them, which is why i fell so much in love with newport was when we started working with them it just reminded me of when we were at the vetch field in the 90s in the like where everyone cared like i sit with the directors and you wouldn't know that they were the directors because the yeah. club Newport's actually owned by the fans.
2: Oh, okay. Interesting.
1: Which is just... So the, that bunch of directors are sat there and, yes, they're in suits, but they're screaming just as loudly as, you know, the people that are standing the other side. Like, I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to be so smart and so polite and, you huh. know, some with the directors. I'm there with, like, not a Christmas Batman jumper and, like, I'm just like, oh, God. And suddenly one of them stands up and he's like, ref, you're... And I'm like, Oh, I'm fine. You know that moment where, you're like, I I'm all right. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, so it's that's why I fell so in love so quickly. I think with Newport is it? It's gone back to that era of not back to our era. It's, it's League Two football. Well, it's, it's just that,
0: that community. What football means was more than just an enter a form of entertainment. It was part of the community. Um, yeah. And and there was a connection there. And just now there wasn't. There just isn't anymore. And for so many clubs, even the lower league. Clubs just because of their desire not to be lower league clubs, their desire is to reach the Premiership, which is why I haven't got back involved with even a lower league club. Because I was like, well, what's the point? Because then I'm just going to be supporting them to turn into Arsenal, um, <laughs> and then what? I'll just have wasted twenty years of my life to find myself in the same place. <laughs>
1: See, I can I can name the Arsenal side because I wake up to my nine year old who's a massive Arsenal fan, and we don't know how. Um, I think it was because of Aaron Ramsey in the Euros because we're yeah. in Wales. He he loved well loves Aaron Ramsey. Um, even though he's gone, Mas- for his birthday we took him to the Emirates Stadium. Yeah. Um, and I wake up to, Mum, who do you think's better, a or oh, and I'm like, sure, nobody.
0: Cares. Ha- ha- <laughs> Lesson. All right. So I, I want to, yeah, talk to me a little bit about the male mental health project that, that you guys are running and what it entails and, and how it fits We're in.
1: so excited about this. So we, in March, we filmed a documentary where we had five amazing men who all have different um, histories and stories with mental health, um, who are all from very different backgrounds, very different guys, sat down in a bar in Cardiff. Um, they weren't drinking because it was 9 a.m. We started filming um, and just had a really honest, open discussion. Yeah. And it was just, it's just beautiful. Like I, I struggle to watch it because I know all these guys individually. So realistically, I'm the person that is I know all of them. So some stuff in these do- this documentary, we're only in the first draft, we're editing it, um, that's come out. is stuff that I didn't even know. And I consider all these guys to be my really good friends. And they're talking and suddenly one of them comes out with I took I tried to take my life three weeks ago. And I'm like, Wow, I, I only saw this, so I, I wasn't actually at filming because you know I'm a girl. Um yeah. and I watched this and I was like, What? And he was like, Well, and he started talking and then within seconds the other guys were around him and they're talking. These are five strangers who lit it's like a joke, isn't it? Five strangers walk into a bar a support group walks out. You know, they are now all in touch with each other. You know, they range from being a student to being an older single guy to um, being, like, Lee would hate me to categorise him as this, but he also would punch me if I didn't. You know, a guy that's in a wheelchair in his 30s to, you know, a personal trainer. So they're like, it is literally, you name it, it's covered in there. And it is just really powerful. So we're editing it. Well, we're not, the company is yeah, yeah. <laughs> being edited. We've got the support of the Welsh government. So it's going to be launched in the Senate, which is our version of Parliament, um, it's supported by Newport County Football Club. They were one of our, um, we did a focus group. So um, Newport County organised it. We did it in their in their bar that's owned by the fans. Um, with a couple of their fans and some local MP guys so it was it's just amazing we're planning to do a whole campaign behind it it's currently named no man left behind
2: yeah
1: which is just it's very exciting um i yeah I, I literally get very excited and one of the things I'm going to do is introduce you on social media to rogan who's heading it up because he might be a very good person for you to talk to
0: Yep, I would love to speak to him about that um, and so moving forward what's what's kind of like what's the future
1: what's the future just want to keep develop this so there's diff- there's two main aspects everyone looks at me and assumes oh postnatal that's what you want to work on well yes and I will always speak to midwives and I will always go into the, the unis as because I go in as um, a case study because I have no boundaries You can ask me anything. I'll talk to you about childbirth. I'll talk to you about all the (laughs) growth stuff. Um, But everything goes back to Jonathan. Especially when I had Jack. Having a son and remembering losing Jonathan, I don't want Jack to go through losing his friends and at the rapid rate... That we are losing men at the moment because the simple fact is, I sat down with one of my friends who's in the army, and his dad, who was a chief of police when we were growing up, and he turned. We turned around to him and said, "By the age of thirty-six, how many friends had you know that had taken their their lives?" Yeah, and he said, maybe one from like a horrendous police accident that they had attended, and we sat there and we counted at least five that we knew. Yeah, and that we shouldn't be losing men at this rate because there's just not enough support there and, and what modern man's doing and what we hope to do is it's just bringing that giving them the support groups where they can sit down and say mate I'm struggling because that's what they need that's what just looking at you now that's what you need you need some friends no um no but a support group are not surface friends friends that you can say I'm really struggling to now I'm I know I'm not a boy, but um, obviously, uh, but I, have, I only have like two or three really close friends. And even then, only one or two of them I'll talk to how I'm really doing. You know, like, I talk very yeah. openly, honestly, about my mental health. It's what I do. But like, the last Saturday, I got a text that said, I'm taking you out on a date whether you want to or not. And I was like, oh, and it was my friend, Kirsty. And we got to the pub and she had ordered food. It was, it was, it was like being wined and dined. It was amazing. Um, And she sat there and she went, I know you've not been right for a little bit. And it's hit a point where Ben, her husband, who I love as well, but he's, he's, he's a friend, but she's like my best friend, he noticed it. And she was like, I knew you needed to just download. So when we're child free, we're adult free, we're in the pub, let's resort to being just, just chat, how are you? and it's having that support men having that support as well because the amount you know when we go to the to our local pub it's got a giant playing field we're not alcoholics it's just a giant playing field so the kids go play it's an easy free range place um we have there's a group of guys there and it's it's Kirsty's younger brother and his friends and they lost a friend recently so instead of them just meeting at the pub and being all surface level they meet at the pub once a week and they all sit down and have a serious chat about how they're doing yeah but it shouldn't take us losing someone we love to do that Mm. and that's what we want to change
0: i just kind of think that um and and from from what i understand and 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 certainly from my own experience and uh talking to other guys we've lost those kind of male only spaces Um, or predominantly male spaces. So, um, you know, the football, um, for for instance, used to be one of them. The local pub used to be one of them. And our generation have grown up without that. When you add on to that the kind of fragmentation of communities in general, where... um, you know, got we're we're moving around the place, we're moving around the country, and 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 stuff like that. And I think generally, women are much much better at retaining their friendships, and kind of having those little few few friends. I mean, I look, I split up with my wife uh, going on a year now, um, and she she rides her horse, so she goes, she's got a little group of mates there. And even when she didn't, she lost her horse as well. Even then, mm-hmm. on like Wednesday nights, they had this thing where they have chips and they have a drink. Do you know what I mean? And they slag like their husbands off, whatever. But, <laughs> but there's, there's this, um, nice. there's this thing that she's got this little support network, and there's only like four or five of them. And don't get me wrong, I've got mates. I've got some really good mates, um, but it hasn't been the same thing for for me at all. Um, and although I've got I've got boxing and and, and stuff like that, it was. Yeah, I think I think on the whole they did a big bit of research, wasn't it? I think women on yeah. on, on average have eight close friends, and men have one. Um, so if and and if that friend is on the other side of the world or the other side of the country, or not in the town, or just or really really busy, um, it leaves men without without a support network and without people to because it's not like a lot of us we don't need to sit down and and. And bear our soul every day. Do you know what I mean? That's not what it's about. And I think that is also a bit of a misconception. And and it kind of bugs me a little bit where we're going. We're trying to get guys to talk. It isn't about guys going, "Oh, I feel like committing suicide." It's not. It's about guys just having that little place to vent to um, to moan about the misses, even if they are joking. And it's about you know and and effing and, and blinding and just being in that um that that environment. What it does for your mental state in general mm-hmm. and to feel supported and to feel like actually you have got somewhere to turn and when the shit really does hit the fan there is people you can pick up the phone to i think that's it's missing it's missing a lot for our generation for sure yeah. and, and, and i, I think that has more the- to do with it than we try and blame it on this um idea that it's masculinity that's causing all of this I mean, um I-
1: the term. We just do a, do a whole discussion. We hate the term toxic masculinity.
0: Yeah, and, and we kind of say that it's masculinity that's causing men not to talk. It's not. Actually, um, I think it's almost the attack on masculinity of which there is a little bit of one like that just is, or a fear you of it.
1: You are going to get on like a house on fire.
0: Um, <laughs> that that is actually what's it, that is causing more of a problem. You know, I, I don't think we need Rogan to to be all of a sudden all do all this vulnerable stuff. We don't. We just need to be allowed to do men men things again in in male environments. Yes times have changed and we do probably need to do things a little bit differently now because of uh, because of the roles that we're all playing in, in life. You know, it isn't, it isn't the 1950s or sixties. We are in, we're in a new era, but we need to figure out how to, how to do these things in a, in a more modern way. Hence the modern man club. That's the idea. How we need to try and find a new way forward with it, with it all. Um, Which is interesting. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to speaking to you guys about all that
1: no I'm, Rogan will love you we we met with um Leanne Wood who's one of the AMs so like our Welsh MPs and they had a whole discussion of it and and I Leanne and I, I go back she was the first person she who supported Disc and Bob like she was straight on it she was like yes I want to be involved and her and Rogan were talking about toxic masculinity and I was just sat there just like watching and she was coming from like a and um, she was like, oh, this is how I see it. And he was like, yeah, but yeah. And it, it was a very interesting conversation which ended with them both agreeing with what the other person said, yeah. but on a neutral ground. Because...
0: And that's what we need to do is having these conversations. That, um, if you follow my kind of, I try and do it on social media, on my Facebook page. So I've, my talent in life, whatever it is, I've been blessed with a talent that I can, people, tend to behave really well around me <laughs> um, which means and people know that I'm coming from a I'm a good place you know always um, when it comes to this kind of stuff I'm genuine I'm not I, I genuinely respect and love women and like there's not even I don't even feel like I have to explain about equality or anything else like that so and, and all the women in my life know that that's where I'm coming from so I can I can say things that a lot of guys probably couldn't Um, And I can start conversations and discussions without them descending too much. Um, And I use my social media to do that. And I think that's generally what we need to do is actually more and more people. There's a lot of misconceptions about how people think and how people feel. Um, And, and I think it's just really, really interesting. And the more people are able to have these conversations, the more articulate we're going to be with it. Cause I think even I struggle with it. Sometimes people ask me a question and I'll find myself going around in a circle because the thought I was brought up by my mum who's a, who's a, who's a sort of feminist, you know, um, she also brought us up to be very secure in our mask and proud of being men as well. But we still have embedded all our generation, especially these, these thoughts and almost a, a hesitance about talking about men and about masculinity, you know, it's still there even for somebody like me. So, um,
1: it's interesting, I, I spoke, Jack asked me if I was a feminist the other day and I said yes and he was like
2: "Yeah,
1: what feminist? And I was Good like, question Jack. feminist is someone that isn't just pro-women so I think that feminism's been taken completely out of context. I see yeah. feminism as wanting equal for men and women. Yeah,
2: that's so what I, it's supposed to be. And that's
1: what it is and people have just people have taken feminism and just focused on the fem and yeah. a, a, you know like and I'm like Jack it's it's for wanting the same for you and for Poppy.
0: I think that so there are there is a space for that so we've also got the Modern Woman Club um hey. my, uh, so Claire Russell who's on the board of the community interest company runs that so there's a Modern women's Club in the future we will be doing the same things with gyms and PTs with uh, having women's sessions as well we just I believe in their. In separate spaces, being okay, <laughs> as long as the the energy behind that is what you're doing is so that the idea is that you come together for the better of each other and and yourself, you know, for society's sake. um Our sort of slogan for that is separate but not divided. I think there's there's something to be said. I mean, I'm I'm a big supporter of women's only networking. I go and I do talks at that sort of stuff. I think women being on their own is cool, and they do it all the time. They do it, a lot of, but there's this fear that men can't do the same. It's unfounded as well. I mean, I've mm-hmm. had nothing but support from women. Um,
1: yeah, I sometimes I get really annoyed. Well, that there's women only, and like, um, my friend runs a mums networking yeah. group, and I'm like, well, what about my friend Dave, who is self-employed, so has his kids sometimes in the morning? What about dads networking group? Because there is one. I there's thought, one that
0: started up in Sheffield. I think the issue with that with networking is that there isn't. I don't think men men would. Go to it. So I don't think it's a viable business. I think there's much more of a need for 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 women's networking. I kind of get it, Um, and I go to a lot of networking and and some of the environments. I understand why a lot of women may may not want to be there, certainly in the (laughs) early stages of their businesses. Mm -hmm. So I kind of get that, Um, and I'm not sure that men need business networking, but we do need men-only spaces. We do, we do, we do, we do, Um, and. I think the the old men-only spaces, like the football, like the golf club or whatever, was about restricting women and and retaining sort of um, privileges. Whereas the modern men-only spaces, uh, uh, they they shouldn't be about that. It's not about that, actually. It's just about supporting men and providing a space where things are done and said differently. Because men change. We're different. When we're in front of women, even if there's one woman in the room, you can see it. It's a different... Oh, yeah. Everybody know, changes. The feathers come out, the chest puffs out. Um,
1: the joke is with a group of my friends is, um, one of my friends is just, he's so wonderful. He's so, he's like, Laura's here. There's a lady in the room. And I just look at him, I'm like, I'm not a lady. And you've known me since I was 17. I know that you say bad words. And, but like, if anyone says anything, he's like, Laura's here. You know, just like, there's just this unbelievable... What's he call it? Um, fierce man? No, there's something. I, I will send it to you in a message because yeah. i would be to see your thoughts. Um, what is it when a man is nice to a woman? Not flirting. <laughs> no, flirting. <no,
0: laughs> but <laughs> well, um, it's uh, chivalry, isn't it? That sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's like it's not fierce chivalry. I'm going to find that out and I'm going to send that to you because that I'll be intrigued because that is him to a, a T. You know, he's so. He was brought up by his mum and just, he's so fiercely, he's been with his wife since they were 15. Like, it's just, you know, when you, yeah. you pick the love story as well, like they still really like each other. It's like... <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And
1: forth, I'm like, oh, you still like each other. No. Henry's great if he ever hears this. Um, Yeah. Sorry, now just rabbiting.
0: <laughs> okay. um, I am going to... We, we are... It's time to wrap it up anyway. Um, One of the things I just... Uh, talk to me about Newport County a little bit more. Like I know you're involved in there, and and what the charity. So you do a lot of fundraising through there. But I'm interested to know that talking about mental health and things like that, and maybe your sort of uh, your men's project, how that sits with with sort of football and the type of conversations you've had around the football club about it.
1: Um, well, one of my favourite things about Newport County, we've got these pledge boards, and um, and I'll send you a picture. And it says, I will start the conversation about mental health. And we've got, you know, we've had some amazing people sign these boards who support us. And um, from, in fact, we've got um, a a card signed by Gary Lineker, like all this cool stuff. But the thing that means the most to me is Newport County Football Club. The director, um, Gavin, got the team to sign it. He's the chairman. He got the team to sign it. Then he got them to sign one for our office because, you know, it looks cool. Um, and he's put it up in the dressing room Yeah, and he holds them to it. In their dressing room, they've also got our quote posters about how um, uh, men have emotions, things like that. And they're, they're all around it. and he holds them to it. So it's the whole thing of he doesn't want it to be face value. Like, mm. oh, look, we've wheeled this out. We've signed this board. Woo, woo, woo it's in the changing room and every player that's joined since they signed it has sat, sign it and they sit down, they talk about it. And I love that aspect of it. Two of the guys um, who, their contracts are up at the moment. So I'm currently like, please don't leave us. Um, Dan Butler does so much work with the community's team that they run um which is a group of guys who probably wouldn't get out the house who all have different range of mental health issues be it from learning difficulties to anything really yeah. um go and play football once a week and you should There, are it's a lovely team but you should see their faces when like Dan Butler or Joe Day who's the goalkeeper will just yeah, yeah. rock up because that's the meeting there, heroes. That's I'm going with yeah. you now. That's like Terry Henry just rocking up to your 5 side right. with your mates. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like, dude, yeah. and like all these guys seeing them there. I love going to watch it because they're all there with their kits on, and they all feel like they played for Newport, and it gives them a reason to get out.
2: I like that. I do. And
1: it's it's so beautiful that they're being asked by the league to help other clubs roll it out around the country. And they, it's something that they feel so passionately about, that they just want to keep developing it. And during the time we've been talking, I've just had a text message from one of the directors where they are um, working with disability projects because they, for their communities, and they've asked if I can give them a contact with, with Lee, my friend, the Invictus Medalist, because they want to also bring mental health into it. They want to, because they want to have the full round package. And they have sat down and the board have sat down. They have watched our first draft of our documentary. They're helping us as a focus group because they range in ages of men. Wow. They sit down, they're like, right, this is what we would change. This is what I found good. This is what, um, if you can do this, maybe this could be a follow-up. We're going to be launching it um, with with them. You know, like anything, the partnership with them is just unbelievable with the fact that they carried these signs around the ground. You know, yeah. all these players, they, they wore, I have to say, I had a bit of a fangirl moment when they were all wearing our logo. I was just like, oh my God. Um,
0: I have to come then, over and uh, watch a game with you.
1: Yeah, do it'll be amazing. You'll hear me say all the rude words. Um,
0: <laughs> Good, we also proper have, football.
1: <laughs> my um, remember going to the football at nine, and my dad said, "Anything you hear here, do not, re- don't not repeat to your mother. It's called football language." And I was like, Correct.
2: Okay. <laughs> um,
1: but we we also work with a rugby league club, Cardiff Rugby League. Um, their seniors team are called the Discombobulated Dragons this year, uh-huh. and on their rugby shirts is our logo in the middle. And these guys are like brick outhouses you know like some of them are huge and they're the ones saying to me i'm struggling we want to be involved because i struggle with this and i'm kind of like, i'm five foot tall so i'm just looking up and up and up and up (laughs) and up going okay because i would need to be like halfway up my stairs to be anywhere in their eye line they're just and having those two teams involved and and having it so public is is that male space again yeah. you know like those guys meet together and they train and they they it's so important the rugby the rugby players um Newport County next season we've written um sadly Newport County have, have lost some fr- um, fans to suicide over the last few months and we have written down some tips is an awful word when you're talking about suicide yeah 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 no, so, I'm you, you know like how you have to look after yourself how when you're worried about someone don't worry all this sort of things and we're putting a video together with the players the reason we've had to pause is because of the playoff final and okay. also some of them are out of contract so we're like oh
0: <laughs> um, I know
1: and if, if Dan Butler and Joe Day hear this please don't leave um <laughs> I <laughs> need <please>, you, guys. <laughs> please. <laughs> please, but um, yeah, the fact that the players are up for doing things like that, yeah, is what makes a real difference to the men and women um in the community because sure. their players are stood there going like, you know, you you think we're heroes? We're we're men. We're yeah. we're here. We want you to know this, and so. Yeah, I literally could sit here for another three hours and tell you how much I love Newport County. Um, Ah. It's just those guys. I also found out that my local landlord um, was a county fan at the playoff when my friend rang me and he went, my mate G has taken over this pub. Isn't it yours? And then saw him at the the, um, pub the other day and he was just like, Laura, we're family. (laughs) And then we started the Amber Army chant and then we thought we probably shouldn't because we're in Cardiff. (laughs) (laughs)
0: it sounds cool listen Laura tell us a little bit more then how people can get involved with uh my discombobulated brain how they can get in touch with you how they can support you um give us a little plug of what what you're doing at the moment
1: fab so no one for discombob gets paid not even me um all the money we raise goes straight back into the works we've got leaflets and cards that we give to or give away to schools it's very Robin Hood um if we do work in private schools we do tend to charge them if we do work in public schools we try and make it free um because they're the ones that tend to need it we um if you want to get in touch it's my com. um my discombob brain on twitter and instagram and my discombobulated brain on facebook just contact us through the website it will be me you talk to um or one of my trustees if it's when when i'm away but it will be one of us we can help anything that you want you can donate on the, the um facebook page no not on the facebook page you can donate on the website yeah. anything that anyone needs laura at my discombobulatedbrain.com
0: brilliant Um uh, yep <laughs> and when we when this episode goes live there will be links to you and the whole organization in there Thanks. as well uh which we'll send off to you before it goes it has been an absolute pleasure, Laura, and an inspiration. And um, I fully intend to come over and hang out with you guys and uh, spend a bit of time with you and see how you're doing, what you're doing, and how, how, we, can, how we can help no and do some stuff together.
1: The bridge is free. You've got I oh, know.
0: No, there's no more excuses anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on, Laura. Bye.
2: I'll see you soon. Thanks.
0: Cheers. Bye. Bye. Oh,
2: oh, oh. There we go. Sorry, I was like, <laughs> that's right. That's a no, another I mean,
0: episode okay. of the Modern Man podcast wrapping up now. Um, as ever, we've got more exciting guests coming um, next week. You can get involved with the Modern Man Club on Facebook, look it up, our men only Facebook community. And uh, the website is modernman.org.uk. And you can find me all over social media, Fidel Bohill, the Modern Man Coach. I look forward to seeing you all again next week. Thanks for tuning in.